Greetings in the name of Jesus. Once again, we are back for podcast of the Living Hope Christian Fellowship. And this is your pastor, Hernan Pada. It's a privilege to have you listen, and I trust and pray that God will bless your heart with his meditation today. We had the privilege of having Mr. Antonio Unson to be the disciple leader for today. And he was following the manual that has been distributed. And this is for week 11, entitled New Baptism. This is a discipleship that has been composed in the Philippines. And it's now being used in many places of the world. And uh, this just follows what and implements what Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go ye therefore and baptize all nations, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. And so we find here in Romans 8, 27 and 28, rather 28 and 29, the instruction that God gave through Paul, and it's re- written in Romans 8, 28 and 29. You're very familiar, many Christians are familiar with Romans 8, 28, but 29, many are not aware. And it goes this way, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Now verse 29, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. The title of our handbook is called Conformed to the Image of Jesus. And so it is taken really from this in the scripture in verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So very clearly here it is said that in discipleship is to be able to prepare every believer to be conformed to the image of Jesus or becoming like Jesus. You say that's very ambitious. No, it's not. In a sense, in the worldly sense, it is. But in God's plan, that is His objective for every child of His, for every sinner who receives Jesus Christ to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And so we have these sessions every other Sunday, and we have members of the church who participate in the leading. But all of the members of the church possess a copy of the manual that we follow because eventually we are praying that every believer will become a disciple maker. And so now for our lesson for today, it's entitled New Baptism. Why is it called New Baptism? Just for our introduction. In the Old Testament, when the Israelites were taken to Babylon, and for therefore 70 years, while even in Babylon, 
And then when they returned back to Israel, there were many Gentiles or non-Jews who were so convinced that the God of the Jews is the real God, Jehovah, by their lives and by the revelation of who God is. Then many of them were just worshiping idols made of stone and of wood or whatever. And even many were even worshiping the creation of God, this The moon, the stars, and everything. But some even in the Philippines, there were those who worshipped the tree, the balete tree. And some even worshipped animals. Now, in the Middle East, in uh, Egypt, even, they worshipped idols. All forms of animals and even heavenly bodies. And so, many of these began to realize, ah, The Israelites have the true God. And they wanted to become a part of the Jewish nation. And to do so, they had to be baptized to join the Israelite nation and officially become like an Israelite. And baptism then was identification with the Israelites. And now... For many years after Malachi, there were no more prophets. And out of the blue, as it were, the cousin of Jesus, John the Baptist, was born through Elizabeth, the cousin of Virgin Mary. And John the Baptist was six months older than Jesus. And so in the process of time, the law of the Jews came into effect that when a person is 30 years old, he can elect to be a public servant, especially in relation to God. And many of them got involved and associated with the temple. And although they are not uh, Levites, they offer their services to help. But inside the temple grounds, It was only the Levites and the priests who were working there. Now, John the Baptist, we are not known, had really gotten involved beforehand there in the temple worship. But Jesus, we have a record, at even 12 years old, he was already at the temple disputing with the doctors or the religious leaders, and they were amazed as his explanation of the scriptures. But then Jesus spent his first 30 years in this shop, carpentry shop of Joseph. We don't know how long Joseph lived, but that was where his, Jesus spent his time in the carpentry shop. But then the time came, he's now 30 years old. He walked towards Jerusalem and he went to the Jordan, where, where John the Baptist was baptizing. And so we are going to read our text for today. First, the first is in John chapter 3, uh, Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They were surprised because he's a different man. But what is 
he preached that repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then verse 3, For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now here's a description of John the Baptist. John himself was clothed in camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around Jordan went out to him, and were baptized by him into the Jordan, confessing their sins. So we see here, John the Baptist came out and clothed in camel's hair, and he looked very rugged. And even his diet just locust and honey. He was not an ordinary man. And so they, they concluded that this John the Baptist was a prophet. Now, don't be surprised why he's called John the Baptist. Uh, it's not the name of a church. At the time, there were no Protestant churches. But he was called John the Baptist because he was baptizing. And that was the name that stuck with him. So what was his message? According to verse 2, repent and be baptized. <clears throat> so the people were coming to him, wanting to be baptized. So in verse 5, we see that those who responded to his preaching were people from Jerusalem and all Judea and the region about Jordan. Now, not very many from Galilee were coming, as it were, but particularly Jerusalem, Judea, and the region about Jordan. These were the very religious people. And uh, later on, we hear that even the Pharisees and Sadducees came. Now, we see here in verse 6 that John was expecting for those who would be baptized to confess their sins. Not confess their sins to John the Baptist, but prepare their hearts and confess their hearts, their sins to God, directly to God. John was not there having a uh, place where they would confess to him, but telling them, you have to be baptized, but confess your sins first. Why? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And what is that implication? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Men will say, the king is coming. And the Jews were long longing for the king that has been prophesied of the lineage of David. So they were always anticipating this. And especially some may have heard, some 30 years ago, there was a child born in Bethlehem that even... Herod wanted to kill him, but he escaped and disappeared, wondering where he was, but he's gone. But there were three wise men that came, and the king has come. Where is he? Where is he? And now John the Baptist is carrying, he is coming soon. He's going to appear. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. What did that mean? Before, when a prince or the king would come to a barrio or to a location, he is preceded by a crier, one calling, prepare 
the king is coming over here. The governor is coming. Prepare. And some of them will prepare food or flowers and uh, confess their loyalty to that governor or to the king. Now with the announcement, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The king is just very near. The kingdom from the king from heaven of the lineage of David in the implication, although not said. So they were so excited. Now, who is this man declaring that word? That he has already come, he's coming, and he will be identified. And so, even the first here, verse 7, there were Pharisees and Sadducees, religious leaders. They wanted to be identified too. So, these religious leaders were more politicians than religious leaders. They served God only with their lips, but with their hearts they were all wicked. And that is why in verse 7, when John saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. Wow. You have to bear fruit worthy of repentance. And even corrected and specified saying, And do not think, that because you are children of Abraham, that you will lose your father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children of Abraham from other nations. Wow. Now these Israelites, especially the Sadducees and Pharisees, were very confident that they belong to the kingdom of God. We become Members of the kingdom of God, not because our parents are religious, because maybe we have a lineage, we had a pastor, or some many in the Philippines, they had their uh, lineage, that some of their forefathers were even priests. And they are very proud of it. So, John the Baptist was saying, no, you have to show proof of repentance by coming to God. Now, there's a big difference between confession and repentance. In our language, many times we combine them together as the meaning the same. They're not the same. What is confessing? In 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so confession in an translation is to admit that we have sinned, a fault. We have broken the law of God. And so we confess, we admit, and ask the Lord forgiveness. If we confess our sins, Jesus said, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How are we cleansed? Still, in First John 1, 7, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sins. Now these Sadducees and Pharisees were just being very proud of their religious heritage, of their religious training. Even Paul, the apostle, was a former Pharisee, and he was trained by Gamaliel, one of the best teachers of his time. But here, John the Baptist rebuked them because many of them were just there for the show, for the appearance before others were being baptized and who were 
confessing their sins. Now we come to repentance. Repentance is a 180-degree turn. God's Word said, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. We are all going our own way. But by repentance, we turn about face. We don't go away from God. We now come back to God. That is repentance. And many of these people really realized that they were sinners. And they were coming back to God. Mom, how marvelous. Here is a man, John the Baptist, who was not trained among the schools of Judaism or to be a leader, religious leader among the Israelites. And he was not dressed in robes. And he had a long beard. Why? He was a Nazarite, Nazarite and Nazarene who did not cut his hair and he did not shave his beard. And so you see here a man with a full beard and uncut hair. And wow, he is baptizing, declaring the word of God with power and authority. Here is where the impression made on the people. This guy is not rich. His dad was a Levite, serving among with the priests, even inside the very temple itself, the holy place, but not the most holy place. And he was there in charge of the candle, keeping the candle lighted. And so when they traced, wow, this may be the prophet. And so they wanted to come and repent and turn to God. What a wonderful picture. And so we see here, one of those who came was Jesus himself. How very exciting. Now John was telling, telling the people, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John, a joiner to be baptized. Now is Jesus, the one being prophesied. And of course, John the Baptist knew him. This is cousin. His mother and the mother of Jesus Mary were cousins. And so he knew John very, very, uh, knew Jesus very, very well. Now, when Jesus came, hey, cousin, and said, I want to be baptized. But John tried to prevent him, according to verse 14, saying, I need not to be baptized by you. You're coming to me? John is saying, if anything to be baptized, you should baptize me. Not me will baptize you. Yeah. That shows the humility of John the Baptist. He knew his status in life. And he recognized Jesus not as the Son of God yet, but only as a cousin. He did not know. And so Jesus said, these are the words of very the very words of Jesus in verse 15. But Jesus answered and said to him, John the Baptist, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. Then verse 16, 
When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and beheld, behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And then verse 17, And suddenly a voice came from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. What a wonderful day. Jesus now in his robe. He's a decent person. He, although a carpenter's son, but he know, knew how to dress properly. He had the means and he was well shaven and clean and neat and respected among the people and uh, having come from a decent family. And when he comes to John the Baptist, John the Baptist, no. You should baptize me, not that I will baptize you. And the response of Jesus, what I have just read, permit it to be so now to fulfill all righteousness. And so so many people are saying, what's, what's this? What is this reply of Jesus? To fulfill all righteousness. Jesus knew his mission in coming here to earth. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by him. And then in verse 14, And the word became flesh. This is Jesus, the word. He is the creator of the entire universe. Even Jesus of this world, this earth, as one of the planets. He knew this world. He knew this earth. And now he comes to John the Baptist, an ordinary man. And he wants to be baptized. And so he says, I want to fulfill all righteousness. Fulfill all righteousness? Jesus knew his very mission. He came to this earth to be the Savior of the world. And later on, a day after, John the Baptist declared, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, what was the procedure? What was the program of God? Jesus, God himself, the Word, the creator of the world, came into this earth as a man born of a woman and behaving like a man, but sinless. Now, how would he fulfill all righteousness? It's because he came to be the Savior of the world, the Lamb of God. And to be identified with humanity. He is saying, I'm a true man. And a man has to be identified with God by public declaration of baptism. You'll find that very clearly in Romans chapter 6. When we are baptized, we are, we die with Christ. We are buried with Christ and we resurrect with Christ, our identification with Him. But in this case, it's the reverse. Jesus is identifying with us sinners, but He never sinned. The man without sin, the Holy Son of God. And He said, go ahead and baptize me. And since they were cousins and His word was authority, John said, okay and baptized Jesus. And he says, 
And when Jesus got out of the water, that is baptism. It's not sprinkling. It's not pouring. It is getting down into the water and getting out of the water. That's why it says in baptism, you die with Christ, you are buried with Christ. We don't, when a dead person, we just don't sprinkle dust on him. He is buried six feet below the ground. Of course, in the water, we don't put down a person six feet necessarily, provided it is under the water, dipped in the water. And we don't hold that person long, otherwise he'll be drowned. But we dip in him as a symbol of being buried and come out as symbol of resurrection. And what a wonderful drama here. When Jesus got out of the water from heaven, wow, the Holy Spirit came like a dove and came upon Jesus. And then a voice coming from heaven, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. What a great wonder. What a great shaking that. John the Baptist said, Huh? My cousin is the very Messiah? Huh? My son, my cousin is the son of David, the king? Wow. He just quieted John the Baptist. He was so thrilled. Now Jesus walked away. And the next day, it says in the book of John, Jesus came by just to look at the crowd that, was, that John was baptizing. And so when John the Baptist saw him, having received the confirmation, the Spirit lighting upon Jesus like a dove, and the voice coming from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And not only John alone heard it, but everybody there. And so the next day, John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. A very loud declaration. Now find a look at the baptism. Here is a picture of the Trinity. The voice coming from heaven, This is my beloved Son. It's the voice of the Father. This is my beloved Son. And who's the Son? Jesus Christ, the Word, second person of the Trinity. And lastly, the Spirit came like a dove, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What a wonderful picture of the Trinity. The Father saying, this is my beloved Son. Hallelujah. The second person, Jesus Christ, the Son. And the Holy Spirit coming like a dove, alighting on Jesus. What a wonderful testimony. And so in our study today, I mentioned an instance where my son-in-law wanted to be baptized, but he belonged to another church. And the pastor there knew me, and uh, while many others were Uh, prepared by the pastor for the baptism, 
the pastor told my son-in-law, oh, you just talk to your, talk to your father-in-law. Let him prepare you for the baptism. Okay. So I had a time with him and narrated to him an instance where my brother-in-law was baptized, that I baptized him here in California, in Baldwin Park, in the Grace Alliance Church. I was, it was not our church, but we used a facility called the baptistry. They had a place where people could be baptized. And there, my brother-in-law was the last one to be baptized. He was very shy and he came very quiet. And so I baptized him. To my surprise, after he got out of the water under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he leaped up, standing straight, raising up his two arms and shouting with a loud voice, Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! Wow! I had never experienced that in my previous baptisms that I did. And even the people in the church were surprised. But he didn't do anything wrong. He was praising God. So I narrated that story to my son-in-law wanted to be baptized. And also, he was the last of about a dozen who were baptized. And when he got out of the water, he jumped up and raised his two arms and shouted, Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! So after that, the rest who were baptized ahead of him came to him. Why did you do that? He said, well, that's what I learned from my preparation for this baptism. And these people came to their own pastor and said, why were, not, where were, why were we not taught that we could be very happy that we have followed the Lord? And just like Jesus, the confirmation, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then John the Baptist said, wow, I baptized the Son of God, the Messiah. Oh, brethren, if you have not yet been baptized, this is the new baptism that our topic today is. Not the baptism to join a nation to become a Jew. Not the baptism to join a church, a local church. This baptism is baptism with by Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. I pray that when you be baptized, you will have that thrill. You will have that confirmation from the Holy Spirit that you have made Him your Lord. You have repented. Yes, all of us have gone astray. We have turned everyone to His own way. But Jesus came as our Savior. And now we have turned 160 degrees, coming back to God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And this life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20 Hallelujah. God bless you. And if you have not been baptized, why not consider baptism? I was accepted as a leader of an inter-church youth fellowship. And uh, one guy had been baptized already, a, le a leader of a church. But hearing these testimonies I gave, he came to me and said, Pastor, I never understood the scripture. Is it okay for me to be rebaptized? Because before when I got baptized, I just got what? 
I did not understand what it is. But now that I understand, I want to be rebaptized. And so, okay. We didn't have money to go for baptism, for baptism and going to, to the river was very far away. Or to the ocean, but just at the time was not a good weather. So we had a drum about three-fourth filled with water. He was in the drum. I was outside. I baptized him. And he became a missionary to Japan, declaring Jesus is Lord. What a thrill when you realize that Jesus is your Lord, your God, your Savior. God bless you. Father in heaven, I pray you bless this message and people will just give their heart to you. Surrender. Repent. That you are God and they are departing from just walking their own way, but walking your way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.